Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. The most dangerous podcast alive. This week, we will be talking about books. Old ones. Again, you say? You do that literally all the time, constantly. Dee's a rare bookseller, so you know what? You're gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> we recently attended the Westport Friends Annual Book Fair. Now, if that phrase is meaningless to you, strap in. Yeah, yeah. The Westport Quakers have a meeting house in Westport, Massachusetts, as their name might imply. And they have one fundraiser every year, and it is their annual book fair, which is all the books that have been donated to them throughout the year from the community of Westport sold in a big fair at the meeting house. And when Ken says big fair, he means big. I mean 30,000 books. Oh, yeah. And this year, I got dragged along as the bag boy. Because D had some books to buy. Okay, all right. We, the, this is some flavorful language that might be leading people's heads in a certain way. He agreed to it. I bought him a frappuccino <laughs> <laughs> and Chinese food later. So <laughs> there's little I won't do for either of these things. <laughs> Yeah, Ken is a lot more hale and hearty than me. He's both stronger and more durable. I'm more than meets the eye. <laughs> and so it was great that he volunteered to help me carry. Because every <laughs> single time I go apeshit fucking wild. Would you say this is one of your biggest stocking events for your rare bookstore? Yeah, absolutely. If I start running out on like really stellar stock, this sale guaranteed gives me enough to get by for a year without even looking at other sources. Not that it stops you from looking at other sources, but theoretically you wouldn't have to. Uh, oh, as any reseller knows, I'll still do it. Like <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, I'll fucking do it again. And the reason you need a bag boy at the book sale is because this event is so popular that we had to park several blocks away on the other side of the cemetery to even get in. In the years past, I used to be a lot more casual about this event because it used to run a lot slower. It was a sleepy July, like, summer walkabout for people. In fairness, it has been two years since the event has been held, so people were raring to go for these books. Now, Dee, what's the best thing you've ever gotten in your history at this book fair? Well, technically you got it. It's that Rackham book. Oh. The story of King Arthur, illustrated by Arthur Rackham, has got to be the best thing I found there. Oh, that was this year, then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this year was absolutely, despite heavy competition, more on that later, this year was absolutely out of the park for, like, quality. But yeah, Arthur Rackham, legendary illustrator, most people familiar with his, um, fairy books, but also illustrated The Legends of King Arthur, which I spotted in the quote-unquote old books section of the fair, and I see Rackham, I just grab. He is on it, he is a sharpshooter when it comes to reading those spines, he is much less taken to, I whimsy as I am um, where I will touch each book and show it to him and go what fun <laughs> and I will be like the spine's not in good enough condition put it back the cover's fucked put it back it's got mildew put it back <laughs> I hold them up like foundling kittens and I say, but it's so sad. And he says, God help me. It's so ugly. And I put, and I, and I put it back. I resent the implication that I would ever discourage anyone from adopting a foundling kitten. Yeah, I'm kidding. Those are absolutely very good to adopt in any condition. Books on the other hand. <laughs> if the books were kittens, I would have taken all 30,000 of them home. I would have bitten people in my fury to get at them. <laughs> That was such a good eye. That was such a keen eye. I am eternally grateful to you. I'm really debating keeping it because it's really nice. And Rackham is one of those illustrators that are so legendary that they are broadly collectible. Not just for nerds like us. Yeah, because sometimes you, you find art books that are interesting only to other artists, and this is not one of those. 
Other standouts are the New York Guide to Wildflowers. It's a bit newer, it's in like the 1910s, but they are huge reference materials with richly illustrated wildflowers. I love how the 1910s, which is fully a hundred years ago, is quote, a bit newer to you. And it doesn't matter how many decades pass, it still feels like the 60s were yesterday. And I wasn't there for them. Or were you? Or was I? Ah, now you're asking the right questions. But yeah, really good, really solid books. They're gorgeous. Um, I'm tempted to keep the Wildflower ones. I know I shouldn't say that about more than four books that I bought for resale, but it does fit the theme of my collection. I have a horticultural-themed collection, so I'd be well within my rights to keep them. So there. <laughs> what else did you get? I got that three-volume History of the Dutch Republic. 1875. Now this is a set of three books and they are as well preserved. They look like they're from like the Barnes and Noble Classes collection printed yesterday. Leather overboard, I think. Just this beautiful, sumptuous, rich gold color. And while I don't think many people will be interested in the history of the Dutch Republic, I could be wrong, write in if you feel differently. I think it could be a very attractive piece for an interior designer or decorator. Yep, uh, they're leafed on the top. There's almost no discoloration. There's so little foxing and discoloration on the pages inside. Probably because no one bothered to open them. Yeah. Literally the only damage is that there is some wear and tear along the flaps where they meet the spine. Does not detract from their beauty whatsoever. These are like very classically bound, like the way you imagine a cartoon old book. Very much so, yeah. And I got all three of them for a steal. Except it's not a steal because that's what they're genuinely selling them for. And they do look these up. They do, yeah. They're not operating in ignorance here. Yeah, this is more of a, they have so much to move that they really can't be bothered to dicker around with pricing. I have a number of hymnals. Uh, that is actually one of my absolute favorite things to buy because I really like translations of hymns and I'm sorry about that to everyone who thought I was interesting at some point. <laughs> oh, I got a copy of The Witch of Wall Street, which is a locally extremely popular book. Yes, a book about infamous historical figure Hetty Green, the richest woman in America for a time there. And not quite so much of a miser as history would lead you to believe. Yeah, I, um, I highly recommend reading some of the more modern biographies of her where historians have kind of gone back and tried to erase public opinion from the history of her life. They've done some fact-checking, as it were. Yeah, she was notoriously tight-walleted, that is true, she's very thrifty, but not to the point of abusing her children. Her son's leg had to come off because it had to come off. It's a pretty common fix for a lot of health problems back then. Remember, this is pre-antibiotics. There's not a whole lot they can do for you. Yeah, it's bizarre that she gets blamed for it. Like, the, he had sepsis in the leg and it had to come off. Like, that is the best medical choice. She did not deny him care. <laughs> She lived, breathed, worked uh, two towns over from where we are. So the demand for these is actually very competitive, very high. Very neat to find one in the wild. Honestly, never thought I would. And yet, here we are. And let's say it again. I'm tempted to keep it. I feel like that's going to be a refrain throughout this episode. It's a theme. Most exciting to me is I like to pick up books that I don't understand. If you play this roulette card of I am literally buying this book based on its cover, you will end up with a lot of poetry, yes. And I did. Um, but some of them are not poetry, so that's exciting. I feel like you, as a poetry enthusiast, are more inclined to find poetry than most. This thing is I like poetry. Anything else good this year? The book where I learned the phrase moon cusser, which is the coolest thing I've learned this year so far. Ah, uh, yes, moon cussers of the Cape? Yeah, moon cussers of Cape Cod, a uh, beautiful Framingham Town Library copy. 
from, I think, like, 1940? Yep, 1937. There we go. Now, Ken, do you want to explain to the listeners what a moon cusser is? According to the lore, in the Age of Sail, a moon cusser is someone who would go down to the beach at night and set fires to look like fake lighthouses to steer unwitting ships away from safe places and towards rocky places so they would crash, and then said moon cusser could then plunder the wreck. Now, they are called moon cussers because if the moon was full, the moonlight would reveal their trickery and render it moot. So these people were said to curse the moon, which again, I feel like could apply to anyone operating under cover of darkness. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they got to use that word, but... I mean, I'll reclaim it. I'll take it back. It's mine now. You're a moon cusser? I'm a moon cusser. Fucking stop me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's kind of what I mean when I say it's fun to pick up a book. I just saw the phrase moon cusser and I was like, that's got to be something good. And I was so right. If nothing else, it's my next D&D character. <laughs> and that would be a great D&D character, practically speaking, as well. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I do have a 1936 copy of The Way of All Flesh, which seems to be fan fiction about the Pope. Love that. Found a treasure trove of local interest history books that our friend Daniel had been mentioning an interest in. Specifically local history books featuring photos from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, there's the photo history of New Bedford, which you can still get, but is printed in much fewer quantities than it was in the past. And Victorian views of Fall River. This is the one that is staying with me. The autograph book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beautifully bound. Um, unfortunately, the leather came off on the spine. So the spine is all just bored and stitching. But the rest of it's in great shape. But all of the signatures are from 1859. Very cool. Extremely cool. There's a ton of signatures inside. And I think it's going to be fun to look up those people. Because like I said, the condition of this one is going to stay with me. Again, doesn't seem to be any famous autographs that you found just yet. So probably local interest, if anything. And more likely personal interest to you because you like weird old things. Exactly right. Yeah, everything else I just got because it was pretty and or I wanted to read it. And The Natural History of Selborne. Um, a shout out to anyone in Selborne. Tell me about your place. Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Now, what were you hoping to find at the book fair going in? Mostly, I look for things that are nice to look at and in great condition. So in that, like, I scored extremely well. For my personal collection, I always want books about mushrooms and birds, and I did lose a book about birds, so it, it, that stung. But you did get two other books about birds, just not the original one you passed up. Yes. Yeah, I try not to set my expectations too high, because that's a great way to be disappointed all the time. But this really exceeded my expectations. I'll tell you what I was really looking for. I want books- I want magic books. I love looking for old magic books for our friend Dan. Yeah, frankly, Daniel deserves them. As you'll know if you listen to our magic books episode. Yeah, which you'll also know from that episode. Spotting them is like spotting a, a, like a rare Pokemon in the wild. There is a thrill to finding one that is unmatched. I don't know that I've ever been thrilled about looking at Pokemon. Well, like, if Pokemon was real and Mew jumped in front of you, you'd be, like, pretty stoked. Okay. <laughs> it's like if the Chupacabra, like, came up and was like, I'm your dog now. You'd be like, woo, this is awesome. I like the idea that the Chupacabra is a Pokemon. Yeah, the Chupacabra, I mean, like, all cryptids are just Pokemon we haven't found yet. Damn, that's so true. I know, right? <laughs> Now, what is your strategy going into the book fair? My strategy is to be nice and polite and extremely sneaky. <laughs> 
I feel like that's not just applicable to the book fair. I think that's just how you move through the world. Yeah, I mean, that is true. I find, I don't know that it's important to anyone on the outside, but I find personally for me, I am a lot less nervous if I play a sort of airheaded character. People do get uh, really touchy, especially about the old book section, which is of course where I haunt. And for some reason, if you're sort of smiling and talking to the books and picking up every single one and going, how nice, it really makes people less suspicious of you. I don't think anyone was going to be suspicious of you. I don't know about that. Some of the people, they were extremely cagey. Book fair intrigue, more of 11. Well, you know, that's why I started this with saying it's more of an internal thing. It's a confidence thing. I just generally don't like people knowing that I'm, like, out there on the grind. Some other resellers were not so subtle at the book fair. I'm going to hit that man with a brick across the face until- For legal reasons, this is a joke! For all reasons, this isn't moral reasons, legal reasons, I'm not gonna actually hit a guy with a brick, but lord almighty! So, I mean, it's, it's two things, right? In any busy situation, you do not avail yourself of your cheat sheets, right? Now, I'm not talking about you're alone in perhaps your favorite Plymouth Savers and there's no one around, so you have yourself a quick Google. That's fine, but this had, like, a person for every book, 30,000 book attendance. They had, like, a metaphysical ribbon cutting at the beginning. People were, I think, stamping like horses to get in. It is not the place to sort of park your ass in front of a busy table and start ziffiting books. Now what's Ziffit? Ziffit is an app where you can scan or type in books and it will very quickly give you like a median price from an aggregate of sellers, mostly Amazon. It's very popular for resellers who are less picky, don't have like a particular niche. They just kind of go out and grab whatever has a high resale value. And for them, that could be like $5 and they nickel and dime it and they make money that way. But in practice at the used book fair, what this means is a lot of people standing in one place, just methodically scanning the back of books barcodes over and over again into their phone. Yeah, it's irritating as hell. Which makes it very annoying when I'm trying to find a specific title amongst those books and they're not fucking moving. And I know that even if they did find the book that I want, they don't want it. Yeah, that's the thing. I always feel a little self-conscious when I complain about other resellers, but they're not curating anything. Like, I can very confidently say that every book I purchased, I am happy to live with for as long as it takes for it to find a new home. This, This is a curated stack by me for you. These people just grab things based on value. And I, this guy in particular, I watched him things that were quite valuable. He would put them back. He would take them away because a median price isn't always like a really great judgment because a lot of people have poor quality copies. It's very, I don't know. It's rude. It's rude. It is rude. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be an entitled, but you smile a little, you know, you're out in public. For a lot of people, this is like a social event. A lot of people stop to talk to me about books I was looking at or buying And like, have a little fun with it. People are here to have a good time and they don't want to see your sourpuss glowering at them from the top of your iPhone. Meanwhile, I was there, looking how I do. That's fine. You were engaging with it in the way you engage with it, and that's okay. (laughs) And I I know for a fact if someone tried to engage you in friendly conversation, you'd make a go of it, even if you weren't happy about it. I did several times because people looked at the enormous stack of books in my arms over again. (laughs) And no fewer than three people asked me, are you going to read all those? To which I had to point at D and go, no, but she will. (laughs) And I will. At which point, several other book buyers congratulated D on thinking ahead and getting a book guy. I've got my book, my my men of books here. I want to tell you, it made me feel a little bit like a celebrity. So (laughs) thank you again for that part. Just having a guy to get your bags. 
once you explained it to a couple of people, they looked at me with such admiration, I felt like the king. Like, <laughs> And frankly, you deserved it. Just like, wow, you really planned this out ahead of time. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's other people here. I think it just irritates me when people disrupt other folks' enjoyment of a situation with their mercenary approach to reselling. Yeah. You know, this, this guy was doing the same as the dude who every now and again at Savers will actually split, just make himself really comfy in the book aisle, ziffiting things like while I'm trying to find that copy of Castles in the Sky. Castles in the Air, but close. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I've tripped over that guy's shit, and it's like, this is impacting my enjoyment of, like, my time here. And your search for Castles in the Air provides a handy segue into why the fuck I was there. Yeah, why was Ken there? What were you looking for, man? Weird shit no one else wants. <laughs> Such as a first edition copy of the mass market paperback romance novel Castles in the Air by Christina Dodd. Someday we'll do a full episode on it. <laughs> I would love to find it before we do that, but it's looking like it's going to take a while. What I did find instead was a bunch of stuff that I get to keep because I'm not a reseller. (laughs) And as such, none of it's particularly old. (laughs) And tends to be of niche interest. I'll list some titles. Maybe you'll notice a theme. The Illustrated Pirate Diaries. The Captain's Specific Orders, published by the Whaley Museum Library. Directions for Buzzards Bay in New Bedford, published by the Willie Museum Library. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, illustrated by N.C. Wyeth. And Robin Hood, also illustrated by N.C. Wyeth. Okay, I put together the theme, you want to steal things, from Cape Cod. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, The Pirate Diaries is fueling my pirate obsession until we get season two of Our Flag Means Death. The Captain's Specific Orders is a copy of a speech a whaling captain gave to his crew upon setting out on their voyage. Directions for Buzzards Bay in New Bedford is directions from an Age of Sail whaling captain on how to sail safely into New Bedford port. And the Robin Hood and the Treasure Island aren't just good yarns, but also both being illustrated by N.C. Wyeth, one of the greatest American illustrators of all time. I have been hunting for copies for those for a while, and honestly, I'm having a hard time not just cutting the illustrations out and putting them on my wall. Honestly... You could. These are late 20th century printed editions. I would not be robbing anyone of history. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you found me that um that illustrated copy of The Hobbit, too. Oh, yeah. The one where they have fucking Gandalf ragdolling in the eagle's talons. I love that. I love it. I'm glad I have it. No Dinotopia, though. No, we were looking for Dinotopia. We're always looking for Dinotopia because, frankly, Dinotopia is an underrated gem. I thought it was a universal, like, beloved classic, but the more people I talk to, the more realize haven't heard the good word about Dinotopia by James Gurney. Yeah, even other serious artists that we've met seem to have had only a passing notice of the man. So yeah, hey everyone, check out James Gurney's painting channel on YouTube. He's a delightfully soothing man to watch, and also check out his book, Dinotopia, which is, hey, what if dinosaurs had a Victorian age utopia? And we described it from the point of view of a Victorian man who shipwrecked on their island. My favorite thing is that the POV character spends most of his time saying, thank God I'm not in England anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God I get to hang out with these cool dinosaurs instead. Yeah, he's like, this fucking rules (laughs) and I love it here. Beautifully hyper-realistically illustrated by a man who used to do archaeological illustrations for National Geographic. Yeah, James Gurney is the best. Tragically, we did not find Dinotopia in the children's section. What we did find was a copy of the last book on the left, which, if you don't know, is the book put out by the last podcast on the left, which is a true crime podcast 
that makes other true crime podcasters uncomfortable <laughs> with their own distinctive approach to the subject matter. Yeah, you're looking at 1960s New York zine levels of uncensored gore. So we brought that up to the people running the till and was like, hey, this is a great book, don't get us wrong. It should not be in the children's section. I know it has cartoons on the front, not for kids. Yeah. Please move to different section, thank you. Yeah, the, the clerk I brought it to leafed through it and pulled a face so sour that I thought she might collapse. Um, <laughs> so we did our good deed. We got that out of the children's section. Much like our podcast, it didn't belong there. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was also on the hunt for the first time, metaphysical books, more modern ones. And by metaphysical, I mean crystals and such. To stock your sister's crystal shop? Yeah, she has a little shelf of books for people who are waiting for their friends to leave the crystal shop. Honestly relatable. <laughs> Which is very thoughtful of her. Yeah. <laughs> So I keep an eye out and I was shocked and surprised, although maybe more surprised than I should have been at what is functionally a religious orders meeting house, that I couldn't find anything. But you can find a variety of great crystals at Mystic Moon Bunny on Instagram. I feel like you would have had better luck at the Unitary Universalist book fair. If they had such a thing. Yeah, they don't have... Maybe we should get one going. Just kick in the door one Sunday being like, hey, yeah, 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 spirituality, whatever. Y'all ever think of running a book sale? Yeah, I don't go here. Uh, you you tell God that he's swell. But hey, do you want to run a book sale? <laughs> yeah, big guy's aces. How do you feel about books? <laughs> no, I don't go here, actually, and I don't know any of you. The big guy, or just the general spirit, whichever you personally believe in, because it's all kind of loosey-goosey down here at the Unitarian Universalist Church. Oh yeah, general spirit of uh, creation in all all people is, seems awesome. <laughs> Let's have a book sale. Closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are just be nicer to people, man. Wow brave just you know be nice i that that one guy you can tell how much that one guy got under my my skin yeah it's been two weeks and you're still talking about it pisses i i he makes us look bad he makes us look bad it's such bad press for the idea of being a reseller i just you know be nice to people smile have a nice time grow a spine make your own interests curate your collections bring a book boy bring a book guy if you're gonna do any kind of large scale thing where you think you might go apeshit fucking berserk Get a friend, buy a friend a Frappuccino and ask him to help you carry bags out. And who knows, maybe he'll find a book on his own interests as well. And isn't that beautiful and what friendship's all about? Carrying books for your friends and eating Frappuccinos. <laughs> Consider it, won't you? Thank you. Um, but yeah, get out there. Get to these sales. Be safe, you know. Don't go making out with everyone. Use the hand sanitizer and be nice. And get out in your local community and see what's out there. I think this is a great reminder that if you see an, an ad for like some sort of what you might read as a small community thing, it can be really beneficial and fun and great and have some really interesting finds if you give it half a chance. It can be 30,000 books. It can be 30,000 books that they don't have the time to price high. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or you can check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked book words to come into your ears and thought other people should experience it, feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 star review if you can. I don't know that they go that high, but <laughs> give it a shot. I'll settle for five. And if you would like to peruse Dee's curated vintage book collection, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiques freaks. 
And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.